You are working in your family physician's office seeing Victor Pena, a 16-year-old male accompanied by his mother for a chief concern of five days of worsening cough, fever, and a newly developed rash. Your nurse shared with you that they noted a pink spotted rash across his trunk and immediately placed him in an exam room rather than the waiting room. Victor tells you that his rash started this morning and he's been sick with a cough and fever for several days. The rash worried him and his mother asks if this could be measles. You've met Victor once before, two months ago, for a new patient visit after he moved to the United States from Central America. You do not yet have his vaccination record from his younger childhood. On your exam, his temperature is 101 degrees Fahrenheit, his respiratory rate 20 breaths per minute, heart rate 100 beats per minute, and he has a pulse ox of 92% on room air. His lungs have diffuse crackles bilaterally. As you leave the room, you wonder, how will you explain Victor's diagnosis to him and his mother and answer his concern about the rash and her questions about measles? What can you do to help Victor feel better? Consider your answer as we begin this next episode. Welcome to Audiobricks. I'm Adam Weinstein, bringing pulmonology from our bricks to your ears. After completing this episode, you'll be able to 1. Define viral pneumonia, including its epidemiology. 2. Discuss the clinical presentation of viral pneumonia. 3. Describe the pathophysiology of viral pneumonia. 4. Compare the main types of viral pneumonias. And 5. Share the diagnosis and management of viral pneumonia. Part 1. What is viral pneumonia? Viral pneumonia is an infection of the lower respiratory tract caused by any of several viruses. It is the most common type of community-acquired pneumonia in all age groups, in large part due to the worldwide outbreak of COVID-19. Viral pneumonia can occur in generally healthy patients, as well as in those with weakened immune systems. It has the most significant morbidity and mortality on the latter, as well as in elderly patients and infants, especially those with history of prematurity or congenital heart disease. It is an unusual cause of nosocomial or hospital-acquired pneumonia, which is more often bacterial. Part 2. What is the clinical presentation of viral pneumonia? Like with any type of pneumonia, patients with viral pneumonia may present with fever, cough, and sometimes sputum production. Pleuritic chest pain and shortness of breath are also possible. Viral pneumonia typically starts with a viral upper respiratory tract infection, so the pneumonia symptoms may be accompanied by upper respiratory symptoms like runny nose and nasal congestion and sore throat. Let's pause for a question break. Why do patients with viral pneumonia also have symptoms like runny nose or congestion? Patients with viral pneumonia might also have symptoms like nasal congestion or runny nose because of a concurrent upper respiratory viral infection. Part 3. What is the pathophysiology of viral pneumonia? Viral pneumonia occurs when aerosolized viral particles or droplets are inhaled. Like most respiratory viral infections, viral pneumonia tends to be seasonal, typically starting with colder winter months and continuing through the early spring. These infections are more common in cold months, partly because of more time spent indoors, which can mean closer proximity to other people and indoor heating drying out mucosal membranes, allowing easier viral entry. 
the viruses that cause the upper respiratory infections may then spread inferiorly into the bronchi and lungs, developing into pneumonia. As in other types of pneumonia, viral pneumonia is more common in people with suppressed immune systems. And now for another question break. Why does viral pneumonia commonly occur in the winter? Viral pneumonia commonly occurs in the winter because of the increased incidence of upper respiratory infections, the closeness of people spending time indoors, and the drying out of mucous membranes from indoor heating. Part 4. What are the main types of viral pneumonia? The most common viral pneumonias have historically been caused by influenza types A and B, but SARS-CoV-2 has surpassed those in recent years. And because of SARS-CoV-2, coronaviruses are now the most common cause of viral pneumonia in adults. They are highly seasonal viruses with higher rates of infection in the winter. They are also responsible for up to one-third of common colds, so patients often present with upper and lower respiratory symptoms simultaneously. Only alpha and beta coronaviruses infect humans. Those that cause pneumonia include SARS-CoV-2, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS virus, and Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS virus. These beta coronaviruses have been the cause of significant epidemics. SARS-CoV-2, which began in late 2019, SARS in 2002 to 2003, and MERS between 2012 to 2020. Coronaviruses initially infect ciliated cells of the nasopharyngeal lining, Their replication destroys these cells, resulting in inflammation. SARS-CoV-2 can enter the lower respiratory tract by infecting type 2 pneumocytes. Unlike most other viral pneumonias, SARS-CoV-2 can rapidly worsen and cause respiratory failure as well as multi-system disease. Respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, is the most common cause of childhood viral pneumonia. Infants younger than age 6 months are at highest risk, and even more at risk are those with history of prematurity and congenital heart disease. The virus is highly contagious and easily spread in daycare settings as well as hospitals. In adults, RSV usually occurs only in patients who are elderly or immunocompromised, RSV pneumonia that is. RSV virus can otherwise affect adults with mild illness, and adults and older children might just develop upper respiratory symptoms only. Histologic findings of RSV pneumonia are characterized by syncytial aggregates of bronchial epithelial cells. A syncytium is a structure which is formed by the joining together of two or more cells. And now a question break. Which patients are at most risk for RSV pneumonia? Infants under six months of age, and especially those with history of prematurity and congenital heart disease. Now let's discuss the influenza viruses. Influenza types A and B infections both may cause viral pneumonia and were the most common causes of adult viral pneumonia prior to COVID-19. Patients often have the characteristic symptoms of the flu, such as malaise, fever, and fatigue, in addition to respiratory symptoms. Its viral transmissibility is due in part to the glycoproteins hemagglutin and neuraminase projecting on the surface of the virus lipid envelope. 
The immune system is able to recognize these antigens to prevent and limit infection. However, in influenza A, but not B, variation in the composition of the antigens can occur due to mixing of pieces of the segmented genomes from humans with other species. This is known as antigenic shift, and it can allow the virus to avoid detection by the immune system, which may explain why influenza A can cause epidemics and even pandemics. The influenza pandemic of 1918 infected about a third of the world's population and killed an estimated 50 million people. Compared that to COVID-19, which has been responsible for about 7 million deaths as of mid-2023. Adenovirus is another cause of viral pneumonia. It is a double-stranded DNA virus that most commonly infects children and can cause a range of syndromes, including pneumonia, conjunctivitis, and pharyngitis, among other syndromes. Infections are normally mild, but can be severe in young children and patients who are immunocompromised. Infected epithelial cells with adenovirus may show distinctive intranuclear inclusions. Hantaviruses, another cause of viral pneumonia, are single-stranded RNA viruses. They may spread to humans from rodents. Infections are more common in rural areas and can be severe with a 60% fatality rate. The virus infects endothelial cells in the lung, causing them to leak fluid into the alveoli, in turn causing pulmonary edema, and clinically leading to the hantavirus pulmonary syndrome. Measles is an important infection that can cause viral pneumonia as well, as a part of a constellation of complications. Measles is now mostly preventable by immunization. However, with the increase in anti-vaccination philosophies, we are now seeing an increase in measles cases. Measles classically causes fever, followed by cough, runny nose, and conjunctivitis, as well as a characteristic maculopapular rash that starts around the hairline and ears and spreads downward. Respiratory complications occur in the minority, only about 5-10% to of patients, and include bronchopneumonia, bronchiolitis, and croup. Pneumonia is the most common cause of death in measles infections. The histopathology for measles may demonstrate an infected multinucleated giant cell with eosinophilic intracytoplasmic viral inclusions. We'll conclude our discussion of viruses that may cause viral pneumonia by discussing the herpes viruses, which are double-stranded DNA viruses. They mostly cause pneumonia in patients who have immunocompromise, in particular patients with solid organ transplants on immunosuppression, as well as those with AIDS. Herpes virus pneumonia can be quite severe in this population, with mortality in as many as 15 to 20% of cases. Varicella is the most common herpes virus that causes pneumonia. It is formally called the varicella zoster virus, or VZV, and it is well known as the cause of chickenpox. VZV pneumonia, like chickenpox, is characterized by a prolonged fever with recurring characteristic skin lesions. Vesicles may also develop on the pleural lining and may lead to pleuritic chest pain and severe symptoms of viral pneumonia. Herpes virus pneumonia histology, like measles, may demonstrate infected multinucleated giant cells with intranuclear viral inclusions. Cytomegalovirus is another cause of viral pneumonia. Cytomegalovirus, or CMV pneumonia, is almost always in patients with immunocompromise, especially those with an organ transplant. 
CMV usually causes an interstitial pneumonia and presents with a nonproductive cough. CMV-infected pneumocytes have large intranuclear basophilic inclusions with halos at their periphery and are thus termed owl eye inclusion bodies, as well as small granular cytoplasmic inclusions. Herpes simplex 1 is the least common of the herpes virus pneumonias. HSV-1 is usually transmitted by oral genital contact and causes oral or genital sores. Pneumonia is uncommon and occurs mostly in patients who are immunocompromised. Phew! Let's review these viruses with one more question. Which population is most at risk for pneumonia due to herpes viruses? Patients with immunocompromise, in particular, patients with solid organ transplants on immunosuppression, as well as those with AIDS. Part 5. How do we diagnose viral pneumonia? Viral pneumonia is initially diagnosed like any pneumonia, by history, physical exam, and chest x-ray. As in any pneumonia, a complete blood count may show elevated white blood cells. However, in viral pneumonia, it's more common for lymphocytes and or mononuclear cells to be elevated rather than neutrophils, as seen in bacterial pneumonia. In very sick patients, PCR assays or polymerase chain reaction assays are available to test for common viral pathogens directly. Viral pneumonias are less likely to show classic lobar infiltrates like their classic bacterial counterparts, and instead often show patchy or diffuse interstitial infiltrates. The lung markings are slightly more prominent than normal, and this is diffuse and subtle. Let's pause for another question. How does the complete blood count differ in viral versus bacterial pneumonia? Bacterial pneumonia is more likely to show elevated neutrophils, whereas viral pneumonia is more likely to show leukocytosis with lymphocytes or mononuclear cells. Part 6. How do we manage viral pneumonia? Prevention is a key part of the treatment strategy for viral pneumonia. Immunizations are now recommended for influenza, SARS-CoV-2, varicella, and measles. Multiple vaccinations have been developed to protect against COVID-19 infection and should be recommended to all patients. The annual fall influenza vaccine is also a great way to prevent serious illness, including viral pneumonia. Some patients who are immunocompromised and patients receiving organ transplants may also receive prophylactic antiviral drugs to prevent viral illnesses, including pneumonia. Now for one last question break. Which vaccinations are available for prevention of viral pneumonia? Vaccines against SARS-CoV-2, influenza, varicella zoster, and measles are available. And before we finish up, let's talk about how we treat viral pneumonia. For most people, management of viral pneumonia requires no medications and only supportive care like fluids to maintain hydration and antipyretics for fever control. Specific antiviral medications are used for patients who are very sick or immunocompromised. These include for SARS-CoV-2, nirmatrelvir or ritonavir, for RSV, ribavirin, for influenza A and B, neuraminidase inhibitors like oseltamivir and also romantadine for influenza A, for varicella zoster, acyclovir, and for CMV, gancyclovir, valgancyclovir, or foscarnet. And that's all I have today for viral pneumonia. So let's see if we've completed our goals for this episode. Can you define viral pneumonia, including its epidemiology? 
Viral pneumonia is a viral infection of the lower respiratory tract. It is the most common cause of community-acquired pneumonia worldwide. Next, can you discuss the clinical presentation of viral pneumonia? Patients usually have fever, cough, and sputum production. Some can have pleuritic chest pain. Concurrent upper respiratory tract infections are common. Can you describe the pathophysiology of viral pneumonia? Viral causes of pneumonia usually spread via aerosolized droplets or particles, causing viral upper respiratory infections that spread to lower respiratory infections. Now, can you compare the main types of viral pneumonias? Coronaviruses, influenza viruses, and RSV are some of the most common causes of viral pneumonia. SARS-CoV-2, coronavirus, the most common in adults, and RSV in children. Herpes viruses like varicella zoster and cytomegalovirus mostly cause pneumonia in patients with immunocompromise. Lastly, can you share the diagnosis and management of viral pneumonia? Diagnosis of viral pneumonia is clinical and made on history and physical exam and may be supported by lymphocytosis and diffuse interstitial findings on chest x-ray. Some viral pneumonias can be prevented or made less severe by vaccination. Management of viral pneumonia in healthy patients is mostly supportive with hydration and fever control, whereas patients with immunocompromised or severe infection may require specific antiviral medications. Thinking back to our patient, Victor Pena, a 16-year-old male accompanied by his mother, who's presenting with five days of worsening cough and fever and a newly developed rash, and your physical exam with diffuse crackles and an oxygen saturation of 92%, which is lower than would be expected in a healthy teenager, you wonder... How will you explain Victor's diagnosis to him and his mother and answer his concern about the rash and her questions about measles? And what can you do to help Victor feel better? You explain to Victor and his mother that his history and exam findings strongly suggest a viral pneumonia. As we don't know his vaccination status, measles pneumonia would be of potential concern, though other viral etiologies, including influenza or adenovirus, may also present with a similar rash and would be more common. Given his symptoms and impact on his oxygenation, you would like to evaluate him further with a complete blood count, chest x-ray, COVID-19 and respiratory virus PCR tests, and some supportive management to ensure his hydration and comfort. You'd like to see him back in your office after these tests to go over the results and re-examine him. You make sure that as he's traveling around the healthcare facility for his blood tests and his x-ray, that he's wearing a proper mask to prevent spread to others. that's all I have for today's audio brick. Thanks for joining me. If you like this episode, give it a thumbs up or comment. You can enjoy the full brick experience online at www.usmle-rx.com, complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. Stay healthy out there.